every real estate investor has a silent part, and his name is Uncle Sam. And unless you're careful, Uncle Sam's did do better. This is the Passive Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where we educate career-driven individuals who have tapped out their earning potential, learn about passive real estate investing, so you can continue building your wealth without compromising your time or taking on more responsibilities. I'm your host and managing partner at Realm Investors, a multifamily syndication group who has helped multiply millions of dollars for our passive investors. Thanks for tuning in and let's get on with the show. Hey, investors, welcome back to another episode of Passive Real Estate Strategies. Today, I am sitting down with Dave Foster. Now, Dave is a 1031 exchange expert. He's a degreed accountant and a serial real estate investor. He's a qualified intermediary and consultant who shares his tax-saving strategies with investors just like you to maximize our tax return. So Dave, we're excited to have you on the show. Hey, it's awesome to be here, Justin. Hey, Dave. So you know, we were talking a little bit before we recorded, and you know, thank goodness for guys like you who just know the tax code, they know the ins and outs of it, and can help guys like me who don't want to get into that business uh, really navigate that situation. So one of the big reasons why a lot of people invest in real estate is the tax benefits and the tax strategies there. Yeah, so, I'm the guy that took one for the T. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, we, we love it. We love it. And you know, one of the biggest reasons for real estate is a, a huge reason is the tax benefits. And it really takes an expert like you. And I really urge anybody who's investing, you know, I don't really typically recommend a general CPA. I really want somebody who specializes in real estate because there's so much of this, this changes a lot. So tell us how you landed to being really the 1031 expert. Like, why did you pick that niche? Because I took one for the dean. <laughs> we were living in Denver and had our first child. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we realized, this is 26 years ago, mm -hmm. that the most valuable commodity you have is not money, it's time. And we were going, how can we get off the corporate trail and invest time in our family? And so in, in searching for that offering to give us freedom, to give us time, to provide the necessary money, like like a whole lot of people today, we said, gosh, we'll become real estate investors. Yeah. How hard can it be, right? So because I'm a ready, fire, aim guy, mm. I went and bought a duplex in Denver, fixed it up, sold it, made a bunch of money, I thought. Until I went to my accountant after the end of that year. And he said, boy, are you going to owe a lot of tax on this? What? What I had not realized until that point was that every real estate investor has a silent partner and his name is Uncle Sam. And unless you're careful, Uncle Sam's going to do better than you. And it took our 10-year goal of wanting to basically retire, buy a sailboat and raise our family on a sail. He was going to basically take that to 20 or 30 years, which was not going to happen. Yeah. So I became pathologically just anti-tax <laughs> as much as I could to the point where I said, you know what? The best thing I could do is to become an accountant. And right at that same point in time, there was a huge court case settled by the IRS. And so for real estate investors, this thing called the 1031 exchange hmm. was going to be available for regular investors. So here I am. I'm an accountant. I know about 1031 exchanges. And I'm a real estate investor. And to me, that was the trifecta yeah. that allowed us to then spend the next 10 years of my life growing and positioning a real estate portfolio from Colorado to Connecticut to Florida, buying a 53-foot sailboat with tax-free dollars, raising our children 
on that sailboat for 10 years, living off of passive real estate investments. Yeah. Without paying tax. That's funny. So it's kind of got me uniquely positioned because yep. I'm not just the nerd accountant. <laughs> I'm not just the real estate investor who's ready firing. And I'm not just the QI who wants to stop the rules off. Mm-hmm. We've used these things. And so we found out long ago it's been so beneficial to us. Yeah. And if we could use it to help others, it's awesome. Yeah. And so yeah, what a shock that you have. I think everybody, that's like the first step in entrepreneurship that they don't teach you is like, hey, you got to be tax aware from day one. You know, there's so many f- new entrepreneurs who at tax season, now they're scrambling, praying, I hope I threw that receipt somewhere. I need, you know, I need to compile all of a sudden a year's worth of, of purchases that I've made um, so I don't have this huge tax bill. So yeah. I love having guys like you on the show to really break things down and make them simple for, for the average investor to understand. So the 1031 exchange, you know, give us the the 10,000 foot view of it before we dive into it. What is it? Why does every investor really need to understand it? Yeah. Well, so everybody knows the proverb, right? That you make your money in real estate when you buy it, right? Everybody knows that. We want to buy low, we want to sell high. What nobody or a lot of people don't realize is that what's equally important is that you may make all your money when you buy it, but it's how you sell it that lets you keep that money. And what the 1031 exchange allows you to do and it's part of a 100-year-old statute in the IRS code, is it allows you to sell real estate with built-in profit and to go purchase new real estate without having to pay the tax on that profit. And in fact, you actually get to use that tax to purchase more real estate. Mm-hmm. There's an example that we use in our classes in teach where in four transactions. So we're not talking... These people buying and selling all over the place. We're talking four transactions. We can compare two different investors. One of them does a 1031 exchange so they get to use that deferred tax for their own portfolio. The other one pays the tax as they go. It starts off with a $100,000 profit. It's reasonable. And the investor is going to do the 1031. Capital gains tax, maybe on average 20%. So they get to take that extra twenty thousand dollars. So that leaves them with all hundred thousand to go buy a property at twenty percent down. That would buy you a five hundred thousand dollar property, right? The other investor pays the tax, which means that they only have forty thousand dollars, or I'm sorry, eighty thousand dollars left yep. to purchase a new property at twenty percent down. They can only buy a four hundred thousand dollar property. Mm-hmm. So right there, the very first transaction, there's already a $100,000 difference in what one investor can own versus the other. And who the investor that both investors get to make all of the income off the property they own. So right off the bat, who's making more money? The investors tend to want it. We go forward five years and they sell that property at the exact same rate of return, the exact same appreciation and everything. And by the third transaction at year 10, yet the investor doing the 10 to range changes owns a million dollars more of real estate. Yeah. And the only thing I did different. Right. Because people don't understand that you're applying leverage to these as well. So it amplifies what you're able to do. That's exactly right. Hmm. What's crazy is at the end of year 20, four transactions, 
The first one, year five, year 10, year 20, four properties. The investor doing the 1031 exchange owns $12 million of real estate. The investor who paid their taxes owns four and a half. So it, it's definitely something that's so powerful because if, if you can afford to not pay those taxes on what's typically a pretty large equity gain, right? A lot of people make a good chunk of cash, hopefully, on that exit when you when you sell it off and you have built in that equity. So why does this rule exist? Why does the government allow you to defer these taxes when you sell real estate? Well, originally, the rule went into place in 1920, and our country at that point in time was trying to grow the national agribusiness and industry. So, so many times farmers wanted to get bigger, which is what America needed, mm -hmm. was producers, would sell their farms. By the time they paid their taxes, they wouldn't have enough money left to go buy a bigger farm. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't go bigger. And all of those farmers wanting to enter the entry market, it was piled back. It because they couldn't get in because the rate was set. So Congress put in a digital exchange and allowed them to take the tax so they could grow America's agribusiness. And then that just, you know, went ahead. Now, today, when you think about it, and by the way, we all hear the news, the news that the President Biden or whoever is wanting to get rid of Yeah. Because it seems like it's a cheap target, right? Ooh, we'll get a lot of taxes. But what they would get are capital gains taxes which is a cheaper tax rate. And if you got rid of the 1031 exchange today, here's what you would lose. You would lose two realtors commissions, two title companies closing charges, two painters prepping the properties for sale, two appraisers, two inspectors, all of this, and those people pay ordinary income. Ernst Young has done a couple of big studies on this, and the difference is several billion dollars that you would lose in tax revenue simply by trying to gain a few hundred million in capital gains tax. Yeah. So that's why it exists because it's an incredible energizer mm -hmm. to the real estate industry. As long as it's there and I know that I can sell my real estate and go buy more real estate without paying the tax, I'm going to want to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's such a good point. I think, you know, it, it always comes up around election time where it, because it's, it's such a good headline thing to say, right? Well, we're going to get rid of this. Oh, the rich people are using this. But if you really dig into the numbers, and that's why I think it's so safe to, to bet on these things. First of all, not only do the politicians use them themselves, and they have a great track record of looking out for their own interests, um, but also really from a macro perspective in the economy, you cannot have the real estate industry halt. So much money changed hands. I mean, every line item on those closing statements is money changing hands. Every single transaction, I mean, you need all of those. So, no, okay, we we agree that it's a phenomenal tool, both for the investor and even for the country to keep things moving along. When people are investing passively into deals, you know, Justin and our company, Realm Investors, we have a great offering. I'm an investor. I want to wire Justin, you know, fifty thousand dollars to syndicate or into this fund. Couple of years go by, the deal does great. They sell it off. I get a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! How does the ten thirty one exchange affect that? Like, what's the next step? Like, what do I have to do? I get my check today. Here's a hundred thousand dollars. I made fifty thousand in gain. What do I need to do today to start taking advantage of these tax benefits and to make sure I maximize my tax benefits here? 
let's back that up one step and let's set the stage for how they went into it with you first. Perfect. And then we can talk about the exit strategy. That, that's a great question. So the 1031 exchange, first of all, is for any type of investment real estate. So you can sell any type of investment real estate. You can buy any type of investment real estate. What typically happens is people will start with something like single family homes. Sure. And then very quickly, they want to 1031 into duplexes. Then they want to 1031 into apartment complexes. Then they want to get multiple properties, vacation rentals, Raleigh, whatever it is. It all works for 1031. You can also go anywhere in the country. So you can go from highly appreciated markets to markets that haven't exploded yet, but are going to. Or you can go from in the city to vacation places. So you can mix and match to accommodate what I call the life cycle of a real estate investor, which typically is, well, just like me, I had more energy 20 years ago than I got today. <laughs> so I was the energizer bunny 20 years ago. Today it's like, yeah, I'll be a little more picky. Yeah. Because why? I've grown. Now it's time to consolidate. Mm-hmm. So the move from active to passive investing is a very natural and the 1031 can exchange can accommodate that but there's a problem and that is that the 1031 exchange you must be selling actual real estate and you must be buying actual real estate so i could go from a bunch of single family homes into an apartment complex that has on-house management that i own all of that that works but syndication such as what you have can you accept 1031 money we do, yeah. There's different there's different caveats to it, right? Which I'm sure you're you're gonna go into, but we do. Yeah. So basically what happens is they have to find the 1031 investor has to find a syndicator like you. Because what they you are able to sell to them is a tenant in common interest in the real estate itself. 95% of the syndications out there will sell you a membership interest in the limited partnership that owns the real estate. That's not buying real estate. That's buying a percentage interest in an entity that owns real estate. Yeah. It doesn't work for 1031. So if you want to make that move from active to passive using the 1031 exchange, they have to find funds like yours mm-hmm. where you can sell them a percentage of the actual real estate. And then it works for the 1031 exchange. So the LP owns part of the real estate and the 1031 investor. Oh, it's part of the real estate. And that's what it has to be for the 1031. Yep. So now that sets the stage for you selling that property finders. And there's a massive game because mm-hmm. we all know there's going to be, right? Yep. So it's a <laughs> massive game. At that point in time, that investor owns part of the real estate. So it is, it is as simple as them selling and taking the proceeds and doing another 1031 exchange. It could be into another fund you have set up where they can do the same thing. It could be back out into bricks and mortar. As long as they're buying real estate, they'll continue to defer the tax. Now, just a quick shot. Where this is all going is that there's four Ds of 1031 investing. The first one is defer. Because whether it's for a day or whether it's for 20 years, every day you defer the tax you make the money off the tax. And then you make the money off the money you made off the tax. 
and it, it's compounding, it's compound interest. The second D of 1031 investing is defer because you can use it throughout your life. You can grow your portfolio. You can shrink your portfolio. You can go from one sector to a different sector, one geography to a different geography throughout your entire life. What do you think the third D is? Defer. Bingo. Push it out. <laughs> because eventually you're going to sweat to slow down. And that's when you could go from active to passive. That's when you could position your portfolio ahead of retirement mm-hmm. to where you want to retire if you want to manage your properties. It's also where you could 1031 into an investment property where you want to retire. And then in a couple of years, when you're ready to retire, you move into that property and convert it from investment into your primary residence. As long as you don't sell it, you'll never pay the tax. What do you think? Now, it's not fair. The fourth D is not defer. <laughs> I know. I would trip you on. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> the fourth D is die. And while it's not my favorite one, <laughs> we're all heading there, right? When you die, your heirs get your real estate at what is called a step-up in basis. So they get their real estate as if you pay market value for it. All of the tax through all of the years that has been deferred disappears. Your estate doesn't pay it. You don't pay it. Your heirs don't pay it. It literally is tax-free. Yeah. I, and I love it because I think a lot of people, when they hear that word defer, it might make them uncomfortable because they think, okay, is this creeping up on me? Am I going to wake up one day and the tax man is going to be, hey, man, you know, congratulations, you owe us 30 years of of gains as a tax. So I think that's a big fear. And when I was not educated in the real estate space either, I thought that. I thought, well, why would I want to put off something? I'm going to have to do it. At that point in my life, maybe I'm not as financially capable. Why do I want to get hit with a big tax bill later? Why don't I just eat the taxes now and and you know have a, a clean slate, right? But no, you you just, like you said, you die. You kick that can down the road until you die and your tax liability dies with it. So yeah, I, I love that because I think it, it dispels a lot of what, like the boogeyman in the closet people, what if this catches up to me? If I'm deferring something that sometimes could insinuate it's going to come back to me, but it doesn't. You got to keep on kicking the can down. Now, if you ever want to take your foot off the gas completely and say, I'm trading now and I'm just going to, I don't know, live in, live in a boat or something like that and not defer, then it, it can catch up to you. And but that's what you're avoiding, right? You just want to kick that can down the road till you hit that fourth D. So you're done. Ah, but Mon Frere, you mentioned the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how we made the boat tax free is that they're the primary residence exclusion. You buy a property, you live in it for two years, and when you sell it so that you lived in it for two out of the five years prior to selling it, if you're married, you get the first five hundred thousand dollars of profit tax free. Do you know how many times you can do that? And every two years. So the National Association of Realtors tells us we move on an average about 10 times during our life. Mm-hmm. If all you did was that 10 times, that's $5 million of profit tax-free for doing nothing other than buying a house and leaving it. I mean, everybody needs to do that. Everybody. Yeah. But here's where it fits with 1031. Now, all of ours were prior to 2008, but what we would do is every every time we would get ready, we would sell our primary residence, take the money tax-free. 
but we would move into one of our investment properties. Mm-hmm. Now, prior to 2008, once we lived in for two years, we got all the gain tax-free. And every time we did that, we converted all of that deferred tax, disappeared, and that went into the buy-the-boat fund. And we moved our portfolio to Connecticut ahead of thinking that was where we were going to sell out. Yeah. And moved into immediately one of our investment properties, converted it to a primary residence, sold it, all the money tax-free. Then we realized that Long Island Sound never got born. So we said, forget this, we're into Florida. So we moved our whole portfolio to Florida and moved into one of our investment properties. Again, when we sold it after two years, all the money tax-free. So does that's what bought the boat. Does it matter which comes first? Do I have to buy a property and then live in it from day one for two years and then I can rent it out? Or can I buy it as an investment? Hey, I haven't lived here two, three years go by with a tenant, they move out, I move in for two years, and then I can I uh, trigger this rule as well. Does it matter? Here's the difference. And this is post-2008. If you buy a property to live in it, so it's your primary residence first, then you get all of the gain tax-free. Got it. If you buy it as investment and then convert it into your primary residence, you only get to prorate the gain tax-free. But I got to tell you the story of my St. Pete Realtor, because this is the quintessential never pay it mode, <laughs> which is awesome. He did 31 exchange into three side-by-side condos, beachfront on St. Pete, on the same floor of France. When he was ready to retire, he moved into the first one and converted it. Now, as long as he owns it, he doesn't owe the tax. When he sold it, as long as he had owned it for at least five years, lived in it for at least two, he got to prorate the gain. So let's say he bought that property and he used it for rental for two years. And then he moved into it and lived in it for three years. Did he own it for five? Yep. Did he live in it for two out of five? Yeah, he lived in it for three. So he got to take 60% of the profit tax-free. So all those people who say it's just deferred, no, it's not. Where do you think he moved? Right next door darn straight (laughs) and started it all over again. So by the time he's done with that third property, he will have turned at least 50 to 80% of his profit from deferred tax to tax-free. That's not a bad little retirement job, is it? Yeah, man. I think it's it's so robust because I can just imagine when I was learning about these things for the first time and I was like, you know, there's no way that that's true. You know, this is probably, this is, you know, Donald Trump can get away with this, but, you know, me as, as Justin Moy, just the average Joe, I, I can't do this. And then the first time it happens, you're like, wow, this is like, is this, is this true? Is this illegal? You know, and you kind of lean in with your account. You say, hey, are we shaking the boat here? Are we kind of dancing on the gray? And they're like, no, no, this is, this is 100% what everybody does. And- My favorite client is a little lady in Cape Coral, Florida, who sold a lot for $11,000. Her profit on it was like 1500 bucks. By the time she did the 1031 exchange, she was going to save about $500. And I kept saying, are you sure? She goes, Dave, that $500 is mine. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, you, you think you, when you hear about these things, like this is more deep real estate investing, right? This is really high level where everybody kind of gets, okay, I buy a property, somebody rents it out. Maybe I'm making a couple hundred bucks a, a month on it. 
But when you get into the tax strategies and how to play with your equity and how to literally defer until you die or convert tax-free, I mean, tax is the average American's number one expense, almost everybody. And if you can pull that down or eliminate it, I mean, the average person, I think, ends up paying about 30% of the statistics of their income in taxes. If you got a 30% raise right now, you do backflips. Right. But you can do these things, but just cutting out your big 30% expense. So, man, you know, Dave, we, we could sit here all day and talk about tax strategy until you actually have to start charging me. So, so I love having you on the show. I think this is something any listeners who are out there and they think, hey, I really got to learn more about this, they're going to have to set up a time with a guy like you and just sit down and really, really analyze these things because it's, it goes beyond so much more than we could ever cover in any singular podcast. So, Dave, for any investors out there, want to get in touch with you, want to learn more about these strategies or these tips, you know, where should they go and who's in a good position to, to reach out? Yeah. You know, you just said something that rang a bell and I never thought of it this way, but here's the truth. There are real estate investors and then there are people who want to make money off of this. A real estate, and that's probably the greater amount. Mm-hmm. People who think, ooh, I can become a landlord. I can make money by renting properties, but that's this much of the picture that a real estate investor is going to look at. I love how you, how you phrased it to make me think about that, that there's so much more in that composite as you could do. So we have made our niche. Well, we, we have success ourselves diving into the tax code and finding ways. So we've made our niche through education. Anybody, that is wanting to become a real estate investor, anybody that's got a property that you want to sell, anybody and you want to continue investing, reach out because there's so many things you can do. And we've created our website to accommodate that. The1031investor.com. There's a 32-part YouTube series. There's calculators that you can use yourself to help. There's consultations available. We want to make it easy for you because we want to do your 1031 exchanges. And the only way you're going to do 1031 exchanges is number one, if you're buying real estate successfully and if you're making money on it. So we want to help you do those two things so we can do the 1031s. Love it. Well, listeners, we're going to put that URL in the show notes. Of course, while you're there, if you haven't already, make sure you download our free book, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies in those same show notes. Dave, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. Well, that's it for today's show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you're looking to learn more about passive real estate investments, make sure you head to our show notes and download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies where we reveal the ins and outs of the truly passive ways to invest in real estate. We'll see you on the next episode.